And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hope and Chris finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures. Thus, keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast Wrapping up season four of Star Wars Rebels. We did it. We reached the end of the show. We're here. You know, you only have two episodes left of Rebels. This being the season four recap where we take a look back at season four. And next week where we're going to have our Rebels roundtable with some other fans and stuff. So it's going to be lots of fun. How you doing, Chris? Good. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired too. I had a lot. I had a. It was a hot day today, and I did yard work. Actually, so, for the first time just now, I almost said, uh, "Hi everyone, welcome to Home Makes Chris Watch Cartoons," which I haven't oh. done yet on this show. I almost did it though. That's why I paused and hesitated for half a second because I was just about to say Home Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, which is definitely not the show. Ah, <laughs> we did it. We've reached the end of Rebels. Here we are. Yes. Hey, before we get going, yeah, I just want to say I got in the mail today. Oh, my second nerd face mask. My first nerd face mask was actually I found out about it because of you. Was my um, was my Spaceballs the face mask, face mask? But today I got a face mask sent to me from Hope, and it is. It's I, I'm calling it my J guys and Jedi face mask. It doesn't say J guys. It's not a J guys and Jedi face mask, but it's a face mask that says Clone Wars, Rebels, and Resistance on it, all in their respective fonts. And all of the fonts are um, each letter is a different character. Yes, from the from the movie or from the show. So each each letter is color has colors and designs that. That uh, that reflect a different character from from each show, and it's awesome. It is. It was done by Ali Andrews from Knights of Ren podcast. Ren is W R E N, and she's actually going to be one of our guests next week next on our week, table. I will be able to uh, compliment her in person on this. Yeah. So I I have one too. Um, I ended up getting two, and I was like, well, what am I going to do with the second one? I was like, I should send it for Chris. And now we're mask twinsies. Yes. Mask twinsies. Mine, I need to adjust the elastic on mine. My elastic's just a touch too long. Just a touch. I use, I use, I always wear a hat in the summer. I always wear a hat all the time. So I just, I have adopted the take two. Um, I have my whole wall of pins that I collected. And so I just take two pins, stick them on either side of the hat. And I, uh my masks onto those oh, rather than my ears idea. it drives you just have to wear a hat that's the only problem but it's not a problem for me because i always wear a hat but it i hate having having it on my ears it drives me nuts i can't ignore it i don't get used to it 
and it's just like ca- having a constant ad- agitation. So like hooked onto a hat, it's perfect. I could wear a mask all the time like that. doesn't bother me. Yeah, um, I just, with my elastics, I tried tying it into a knot, and a knot makes it just a little bit too tight on too the Too small, ears. yep. Yeah, so I just need to uh, just tack it, just touch on each side to make it I've, just right. I've got all my hats with pins on them that are set, you know, from trial and error to that just seem to work perfectly well with uh, with with them. So I've got, a, after the whole summer, I've got all my hats are pretty much just sort of as standardized as masks sort of get. Oh, a new change also. New change? Yeah, my cat will sit on my lap now. So you, you, uh, my poor cat Bernice is is in, she she is now her she is actually sniffing at the microphone pop filter right now. She is deeply deeply in heat and suffering the ravages and flames of heat that an unspayed young female cat. The other day I was up in my room and she's she she just makes Marge Simpson noises. She makes a lot of See <laughs> hear that? Second one was her. <laughs> no, no, she won't do it. I can't hear her now. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that was me trying to get her to do it. No, so I couldn't hear her. Yeah, she won't do it now. But um she isn't like a lot of cats get really loud when they're in heat and I hear like a loud meowing downstairs. I'm like, uh oh, I better go see what's going on. I looked down at the bottom of the stairs and it looked like a horror movie, like somebody had chucked her down the stairs and broken her back and she was having an epileptic seizure all at the same time. She's twisting and rolling and <laughs> twitching <laughs> and rolling on her back and rolling all over the place and I hear my roommate from the other room go, she's okay. <laughs> she's just flipping out. And she's in a little, she's better now. And the the great thing about it is she doesn't want to claw me anymore. Now she wants to sit in my lap and let me pet her and stuff. But uh, yeah, she's, uh, she wants to chew her way through the wall and go find a, a boyfriend. So um, I pulled it up. Um, if you also want to get one of our cool Star Wars animation masks that Allie made, it's on her Redbubble uh, account under the name Allie Wren. Wren is W-R-E-N, and it's all one word. And the title of this is called Celebrating What We Love. And you can actually get the design on a t-shirt, a tank top, uh, stickers, laptops, pillows, tote bags, any of those things. You we can all put on your on. mask while you listen to Jay Guys and Jedi, and I'll play the sh- Silver Shamrock theme going, it's time, boys and girls. Put yeah. on your masks. <laughs> but, yeah, you can find that on her Redbubble store under A-L-L-Y-W-R-E-N, Allie Wren. Um, and also check out her podcast. She's a nice... She's a she's a young podcaster, like just like getting her feet wet. She's super. In, I'm so excited to talk to her. Like she's super enthusiastic. She's like me when I was her age and I was first starting to podcast. That, that's before you like, got beaten down by life. Oh God, that you know I was thinking about that and 
As we go into the season four recap, listeners, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to Chris and I was like, you know, I'm really disappointed in myself as we've been going through the end of Rebels. And Chris was like, why? And I'm like, because honestly, like 2020 has just kicked the Mickey out of me. And I don't feel like I've honestly given the end of Rebels the same love I gave the first half of Rebels. Like, I can't even remember most of season four. Like, when I was filling this out, I was like, what was season four? And I was, like, looking up episodes, and I'm like, I honestly don't remember anything in this episode, and I just watched it, like, three weeks ago. (laughs) Somebody put up video from um, one of our gatherings at Dario's house in New York City from last year and they were like this was a this was yesterday this was a year ago today and i was like looking at the video i'm like no that was two years ago and then i was like oh my god it was a year ago it just feels (laughs) like it was two years ago yeah so i i just kind of want to go ahead and apologize now like this might not be my best recap because i honestly i don't remember most of season four and we just did i i was I was like thinking back, I was like, what was season three? Because I can so vividly remember season one and season two. I remember like specific points that we talked about in season one, season two. But the end of season three to here, I'm like, I don't fucking remember any of this. (laughs) I just know stuff happened. Kanan died. There's a wolf. Yeah, just you don't have to apologize for being in the same situation that the rest of the world is in. Everybody in the world is in right now. So I know. Just, I go. love Rebels, and I just I I wish I was able to like give it more energy, but I myself have like no energy. <laughs> Trying to run a business is tiring. <laughs> but you ready to get into this? I am ready. So if you've never listened to one of our recaps and you're for some reason joining us for our season four recap for the first time, um, the way these work is we have questions that both of us ask. Uh, that both of us answer, and then we have questions that we ask each other. Um, So the very first question we have is, what are our top five episodes and why? Mine's in no order. I have mine in sort of least a favorite order because I have one that's a favorite, you know, for number one. But the other mm-hmm. ones behind behind it, well, number two is pretty solidly in number two, but five through three could be jostled around. Yeah. I have to separate mine. I can't read all this block of text together. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine, mine's in no particular order at all. So. <laughs> all right. Well, do you want to start with me? Uh, we have a couple of the same ones. I I, I uh, figured we would have at least one or two. Um, I'll go first. All right. Rebel Assault. Why? It was just one of the one of the more beautiful to to look at, and it just it's it's. The, the, the build-up towards the end of the series. Did you hear that? Oh, my God. She just took a swipe at me and hissed at me. I did not hear it. Yikes. You're, you're interrupting my flow here, Bernice. Be Bernice, Bernice. Be Bernice, Bernice. <gasps> now you not, get to play the Meow Mix jingle. Not Bernasty. Don't be Bernasty. Bernasty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it, I just, I liked how 
it was it was this build up to the end and it 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 took on this was this was what this was towards the end when you could tell they were starting to put a little extra effort into the animation and the the design and this one had this one if i remember right this was the one that had just almost sort of the art deco poster design to it where we had the right this is where we saw that beautiful outline of the city all in orange oh yeah and then the ships were falling out of the sky yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah i i just i li- i liked it a lot i had a lot of nines i had to actually i i, I had more than 5 nines in the nine zone this season which is very rare yeah usually there's a couple 8.5s and maybe even an 8 on my top 5 yeah i mean this the, i i i had a lot of trouble with this too cuz the season is pretty even yeah. the entire way out there's there's really no and we'll we'll get to this in a minute when we get to our next question but there's really no bad episodes no season. nope so this this was hard um for me i'll i'll do one of my ones that we don't have the in common um, one of my favorite episodes this season was The Occupation. Um, I really loved the return of Lothal and seeing how much it had changed compared to like... And, and that, that first episode coming back to Lothal and The Occupation, there was a lot of callbacks to like early season one. And just seeing how much the planet had changed. Um, I loved seeing Ezra in that story. Plus, everybody had really dumb costume designs and I loved seeing them in new costumes. But, uh, because I can't get over Zeb's really dumb hat that I love so much. Um, but also that sewer fight, that, like, really close, tight-knit sewer fight where they're just surrounded on all sides and trying to get out and they're fighting on the ladder. Like, I love that fight. It's such a good fight. It's one of my favorites. Um, so I, I really love the occupation. I, oh, and the, the almost Kanan kiss that Zeb absolutely cock-blocks. Absolutely love that moment. Kanan's just like, uh. <laughs> that's great. What's your next one? My next one is Jedi Knight. This one almost made my list. The thing that kept it off was the really terrible drugging of Hera storyline. Which is what my three-word review is: imperfect but powerful. And that's the imperfect part is just sort of the, the drugging and the and the and not just. I mean. That okay, we could you know discuss the cre- super creepy aspects of it, but even even if you take that away, just have it, just the the way it was sort of a comedy beat in the middle of this episode was a little weird, and then having it be like comedy based on something creepy, but not not enough to just to spoil a really beautifully thought out and plotted episode. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it is one of the best episodes, and it's super powerful with Kanan's death, but I just, I cannot get over that dragon storyline, it, it just takes me out of it so much. I think it's my second highest rated episode in here, but it still didn't make the top two. Yeah. But... Yeah, when I when I started going over it, I was like, well, yeah, I don't think this is number two, but it's up there. Um, my next one uh, that we don't have in common is Kindred. 
Um, I love the introduction of Rook uh, being a little Thrawn fan, and I love just the whole dynamic of bitch wife Ari Price having to work with Rook and her just being like, oh, I hate you. Um, we had that great Hera maneuver where she jumps into... It's almost the Holdo maneuver part where she jumps mm-hmm. into hyperspace through mm-hmm. a ship, and it's amazing. We got the long-awaited Kanan and Hera kiss, and Kindred has probably one of my favorite pieces of dialogue in the entire show. And it's where uh, they're following the Lothwolves, and Zeb's like, it's all right, when it gets weird, that's a good thing. And Ryder's just go looks at them, and he's like, how are you people still alive? You're right. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite moments of all of Rebels, because that is the summary of Rebels right there of, look, a weird thing, Bowen, why are you not dead? <laughs> I it's love kinda, that moment. It's kind of so like much. Jedi in a in a <laughs> summed up. Yeah, uh, but I, I I actually really really like Kindred a lot. I when when we were rewatching that episode, I was like, I forgot how good this was. <laughs> I really like it. Um, uh, what's your next one? Our first one that we have in common is family reunion mm-hmm. and farewell. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. My long, my my short review is satisfying conclusion while still being weird. Yeah, they definitely they definitely kept it kept it strange, and uh, yeah, I really uh, I really liked it, and it had that you know the whole scene with the 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 switching palpies. Yep. Um, I had that one too. I actually kind of bundled a fool's hope in with family reunion and farewell. Oh, um, okay. Because I, I, technically, the, all three, like the two episodes, aired together. It was like an hour and a half, like finale. So it's even though we reviewed them separately, to me personally, it's hard to separate those two out. So I, I kind of bundled them together. But I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's a great conclusion that feels really earned. It's really powerful seeing where like Ezra's journey. Um, I love just all the stuff from the Lothwolves attacking and being there to the space whales. Uh, Palpy is in it, too. It's, it's just, it's a really good conclusion that satisfyingly wraps everyone up, you know? I but guess yeah. I could, I guess I could have combined them, but I had to separate that one. Oh, no, for yeah. I, reasons. I chose to, to separate them, or to put them together just because... It gives me a way to have a fool's hope in there, too, while still right. having another slot. I know, I know. Hope's getting their cake and eating it, too, again. I'm That's getting fine. all the cake, and I'm and you get it, And you're it. taking an honorable mention, too, so I'm getting all, them all the cats from Dario and eating them, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my roommate got some some weird... What 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 the hell were they? They're green. I can't remember. They're Halloween. They're oh, they're they're green, but it's a white chocolate with marshmallow flavor on the inside of them. Uh, Kit Kats. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um. Okay, my next one is another one that we have in common. Yes. Yes. Uh. uh we'll, we'll, we'll we'll uh. Is uh world. Yeah, world between worlds. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows why this is my number two. Palpy. Palpy. Oh, yes. The palps. Doing his thing. 
Papa Palps palpitating on all the palp the palpies. One of my favorite now. images in all of Star Wars just lives in this episode, so yeah. Not enough to put it to number one, but um, I I had a world between worlds as one of mine as well. Um, I I just love how it connects the entire canon together, um, I because it has everything from pulling from the prequels, the sequels, trilogy. We even have Rogue One in there. I think if Solo had been out by this time, we would have had Solo stuff too. Um, we get the return of Ahsoka, and she's alive. Holy fuck. <laughs> We get Ahsoka back, and I cried. Cried so much. Um, and it's just, it's, it is probably the, I would say it's the most memorable episode of Rebels. I mean, when people, I, I mean, after Trust came out, there were so many theories about Rey going into the World Between Worlds and to save Ben. There were talks that the world between worlds was even going to be in Trost before Trost came out. There were so many theories about the world between worlds, which shows just why it's such an important piece of Star Wars. Because this, where Mortis from Clone Wars gets pulled into other conversations, this is the Mortis of Clone Wars. This is the big piece of Rebels that's going yeah. to be constantly, that people are going to go back and rewatch and revisit over and over and over again. It's, oh, it's well, this it's, It has, it's, it's like it could be abused into a cheat code you know that's the thing mm -hmm. about it. It, it is why i think it's so attractive to a lot of people because you could you could cheat almost any kind of fan fiction into reality using the world between worlds yeah it, you could cheat just about anything you wanted to go on in there you could the, yeah yeah there were a lot of people like who were theorizing they were going to use the world between worlds and then they were going to fight Palpatine at the end by like grabbing Luke, you know, grabbing all the heroes from all time periods of Star Wars and fighting him, which would have been so insanely stupid. But stupid, but I would love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I would have done. Yeah, I don't know how I would have done. They would have had to CGI. I love uh, like that. That's actually secretly what I want from Breath of the Wild too. Yeah, but it, but but basically it would have been. It would I have been all the, the links from all the Zeldas to come out and fight Ganondorf yeah, one last time in Breath of the Wild 2. That's what uh, I want. That's my secret fanfic. <laughs> no, Aven Avengers, it would have been too, it would have been the end of the Avengers. And the Avengers, like, the Avengers earned, like, stepping on that for having, owning that for <laughs> a while. Anybody. Well, like 15 years. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, from the, from, but from, from the, point of where everybody comes out of their out of their portals which would have been what the world between it would have been basically the same thing by just grab let's go get luke's hey, it's luke skywalker jump into yeah, the Anakin's so, here. so yeah so no yeah avengers gets to you know anybody anybody doing that for the next 10 years after avengers is just copying and star wars can't copy but what anyway we won't get into what happened with tross all right my number one Yes. A fool's hope. And it's weird because it's sort of, I mean, it's a great episode. It's, it's as we discussed earlier, it, it now, it was, I didn't give it a 10, but now it becomes my 10 because it's number one. And it's just 
that it, it it just the way that they cashed in the chips of earned action in this episode was so perfectly Star Wars and so well perfectly written and executed that you know I mean it's so rare that these days that somebody gets that action that's earned you know they they, they can do, orchestrate the moments of yay here come the loth wolves and stuff but this and callus and vazago and yeah, and, it, and, yeah and, and and all of that is all insanely trite in storytelling and it's insanely trite but <laughs> what but once you but if you if you set up for that triteness it makes it 10 times better because when when you hit all that stuff and it's deserved and built towards it's it's just like yeah it's so satisfying and you know it's not just a momentary like wow that was cool it has resonance through the rest of the story and this episode was just filled with great star warsy action and just a lot of threads coming together in a in a in a glorious fashion. I love it. Well, I was uh, very excited watching the whole thing. Yeah. Um, like I said, I don't really have a number one, but my last one is Wolves and a Door. I really liked the mythos around the Jedi Temple on this one. Um, bringing back the Mortis gods in a way to where it makes them even more mystical and it actually goes back and resonates back into Clone Wars when we first are introduced to them. And I loved the animation sequences of mixing the 2D and the 3D together. I really like Minister Haydn, which was Palpatine's creepy art-loving minister guy. He's just a fascinating yeah, character. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell too. Yeah, he's such a good character and how he has that nice mix of like, I'm a little old man, but I'll break your shins if you don't help me. Like he was such like a great character, um, especially pairing him with Sabine. And um, even though some of this is, you know, mixed in with a world between worlds where we really got to see the two of them together. But and I just I really loved all the mythos that was introduced with uh, Wolves in a Door and the art style and uh, it was such a good episode. Um, I do want to throw. I, w- out I would one... definitely like that. Would be a good honorable mention for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to also throw out Crawler com- Commandeers because it was just so much fun. You just <laughs> like that little guy. It was such a fun little episode. Yes, was, yeah. And and the thing, and I, I also almost put in the the heroes of Mandalore episodes, um, because as a honorable mention to you, because those were just really good wrap ups of Sabine's storyline. It's a lot of great setup for for uh, the Mandalorian. Um, yeah. And so, well, once you include those, you almost got the whole season. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. The only thing we're missing is like. The but that's the kind episode. of season it is for sure. Yeah. All right, well, the next question is, what were your least favorite episodes of the season and why? A.K.A. what 30 minutes do you want back in your life? Well, um, I've been trying not to say this because I knew it was in my notes. There, I had not a single score this whole season below an 8.5. Um, like the early episodes were less crazy than the later ones, but they were also filled with chocolatey goodness of Mandalorian stuff. 
So I'm kind of stumped on that. Like, I really like I really liked every episode in this, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. I, I was kind of the same way. Like this, the season's really even across the board. Like if I had to like gun to head pick an episode, I would probably say the two Saw Guerrera episodes. Yeah. Just because they were kind of like a repeat of the Saw Guerrera episode we had in season three. And, um, and they were with, sort of there more fitting into the other mo- into into um, Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah, instead of Rebels as much. It got fit into Rebels, but it, it resonated. It was resonating more with Rogue One than Rebels, you know? Yeah, and, and honestly, like, the lesson that Ezra learned was the same lesson he learned in Season 3. Uh, but they're still really good episodes. Like, that's the thing. Like Yeah, uh, I didn't even think it was Ezra's lesson. It was, like, Ezra, like, got to sort of, like, pass the lesson on to try to pass the lesson on to saw you know it really if anything um what those episodes did really well was introduce the politics of the rebellion because that's where we had the great shot of giant wizard of oz head yes. yelling at like bitch fighting with mon mothma mansplaining the mothma yeah and like her not like standing for it so like um those are it's still a really good episode but like if i had a that was probably like my least favorites of the season but even then they're really good <laughs> so it was really hard my uh, cat just saw me blow my vape out for the first time and i think it just blew her mind <laughs> the humans breathe fire she is staring at me with her eyes like saucers right now because i just looked at her and went off to the side she was just like whoa the humans breathe fire now. You are so cool. <laughs> now let me out so I can find a male cat. No. <laughs> All right, so the next question. Who was the strongest slash best developed character of this season? It has to be Ezra. Yeah, same. He basically becomes Kanan in this episode, or he basically steps into Kanan's shoes and... You know, by the end of this, he is up to the task. Nobody's questioning him beyond like anybody would question any other peer that they were, you know, fighting with. He's he's tested and tried and true and rises to the occasion in this. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's his season. I mean, that's that's my answer, too. I mean, this is where he comes into his own for good um and i i just keep thinking back to that scene where he's coming off in, in the finale episode he's coming off the ship with hera to talk to arinda price and he's just holding himself like a jedi everyone's looking at him like because he's the jedi in the room mm-hmm. and it's that moment where it's like like whoa ezra's not a kid anymore <laughs> yeah and he's not stru- and he's not struggling with it he's not like in anguish about it he's he does his thing this yeah this is his yeah it's learned his lessons well um so who do you was the weakest character of the season well i mean the the obvious answer is ketsu because yeah. If you if you even want to consider her, because I don't, she barely even got to be a character. And then second, Zeb, and then Chopper, sort of by not being in it as much. But Chopper did get to do like show his his uh emo emo side. He got 
to run over people with a big old drill? No, he got to murder, but that's what he's been doing all along. But he got to hold some hands in this, you know. This he got to murder! Yay, Chopper! Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I didn't even, yeah. Yeah, like, I knew who you were going to pick on this one. Yeah, I mean, as a show as a whole, like, for sure, Ketsu. She's not even a real character. But um, out of the main cast, uh, for me, Zeb. Um, you guys you guys know I love yeah. Zeb. He's my favorite of the Ghost crew. I love him so much. And he didn't have any episodes about him this season. Um, he had several great moments and several standout moments. But he still just didn't get anything big and character-defining. Um, I almost said Hera. But I think she, even then she got some development after Kanan's death because we got to yeah. see her go for the first time in the show become unsure about what she was doing, which forced the kids to grow up, grow up super fast. Um, and I think this is the first time where I didn't have Hera as my answer in three in the four seasons because she's been so steady the whole time through. So yeah, like Zeb didn't have any big character arts. He was just awesome and doing his thing. So. Um, what or who would you have liked to see more of? Oh, you know me, it's the palps, but not a lot of palps, but I would have liked to have seen just a couple sprinkles of him early on. Mm-hmm. Just, just a couple, just a couple more, just to, just to, just to frame him at the beginning and the end a little more. Yeah. Um, who me, who would who are you gonna pick? Hope I wonder. I wonder. Zeb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, for, for the same answers I just said. So to, just to have a little variety, um, I actually kind of would have liked to see Rook come in sooner. He's such he's such an important character in the Thrawn mythos. Um, when you go back to Legends, he's such like him and the Nogri are such big characters. I would have really liked to see Rook as early as season three. And I said this in the show. Like, I, I wanted Rook in season three, even if even if it was, a, like, a scene of how Thrawn recruited Rook. Because in the book that's between season three and season four, which is Thrawn Alliances, Rook is already work, working for Thrawn before he ever comes to Lothal. And we still don't have the story in the current canon of how that happened. Um, so I, I, would, I would have just liked to see Rook come into the show a little bit earlier. Um, what was your biggest what the fuck moment? Inside the world between worlds. Actually, the second time around. The first time around, it would have been the whales. But, boy, like, I, I forgot how surreal it was to and on, until my second viewing of it. I knew it was surreal, but it was even more so, and I like it. It's visually unlike anything in star wars except for maybe you know the the you know the father son daughter stuff but it was just a very weird like i said in the episode it reminded me visually more of tron than it did or you know or like you're in some computer simulation or something more than uh a very organic force thing but it worked and it was just really cool and, you know, I mean, it's it's surreal almost in the same way as uh, when Ray goes into the the 
seaweed dark side cave. The butthole? Dark, dark side yeah, butthole? And, uh, when she goes up the dark side's butt to, <laughs> to check herself out in the mirror. Guys, guys, next time you watch The Last Jedi, it's a, which, that cave that she goes into, it's just a big old butthole. Well, you know, I mean, that's sort of that's sort of a good metaphor, I guess, for, <laughs> for self self-reflection as far as dark side goes, is sticking your head up your own butt, going up your own butt to <laughs> to see something. But anyway, anyway, I digress. Darth Vader just being like, "This is my butthole." <laughs> but <laughs> explore my butthole. There you will learn the truth of yourself. Get it. Hi, I'm Palpy, and this is my butthole. And Maul's like, I'm, I don't have a butthole anymore. I'm in half. I don't have a butthole. Oh no, you're right. <laughs> oh no. Me and Megan have had many of a conversation about how Darth Maul poops. <laughs> this is my, this is my dark side colostomy bag. We, we've gone back and forth between that and magic. <laughs> no, I, I think he collects dark side poop and it's the, the most heinous stuff in the universe. We also have used, a joke that's used Vader, in dark ceremonies. We also have a joke that Vader just has like a little tube like connected to his heel and he'll be walking along and just like little inky black stuff will come out of his feet and that's how he just, poops. Just uh yeah. He's like a chicken. He's got a cloaca, and it all just yeah. He just he just tracks it around the Death Star all day. So and no one can question him because he's Darth Vader. <laughs> well, at least they know when he's coming because they can smell him. Yep. But yeah, I yeah I I I um I had a similar reaction of just like wow that's weird watching the world between worlds as I did to Ray watching infinite regressions of herself. My top what the fuck moment was them throwing Melch at a window in the finale and that it was actually part of their plan, throw pig at window. Because I was just thinking about how that went through. They're like, well, how are you going to distract them? And I could see Hondo like, you can just throw Melch. And I could see just Callus, like Callus's face, like part of our plan is throwing an Ugnaught at a window. It's it's I, I I just thought of this, but it might be a little bit of a, a tribute to the the dwarf tossing scene in Lord of the Rings too. Maybe, but I just I can see like callous calculating like oh my god, part of our plan is throwing a pig out a window. Oh my god, what am I doing here? <laughs> like Callus has an existential crisis of, of like Zeb. This is weird. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And Zeb's just like, what are you freaking out about? This is my life. Throw a pig out a window? We've done worse. <laughs> I've done cat. <laughs> One time, Callus, I picked up Kanan like a child under my arm and jumped out a window while he shot at Inquisitors. This is nothing. <laughs> what was your favorite robot android moment? But it's going to be mostly Chopper because where the heck was AP5 this season? It was it was Chopper the handholder. Chopper finally getting to be to be the sensitive like he was even like I'm just guessing he was giving robot platitudes to to Hera when like he was like and like holding her hand and stuff. But where was AP5 this season? I think there just was no room for 
comedy relief. I think that I think tonally AP5 would have been just like not fit in with the tone of the season. I, Maybe I in the Sagrera episodes, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I was like where could AP5 fit in this and not in the Mandalorian stuff. No, I, I I could see him on Yavin base, even if it was just a thing of him waving them goodbye of like good luck on us all because like he just vanishes and I think this is part of my problem with AP5 is I, I've, I mentioned it in pretty much every AP5 episode. I forget AP5 is in this show until he's in an episode, and then I'm like, oh yeah, AP5 is a thing in Rebels. Well, they, they sort of put him into the wider rebellion rather than the, the, the ghost crew so they could use him or not, you know? Yeah, and so I just, you know, I... It kind of makes me just wonder, like, why even, like, create this character in the first place, you know? Like, he doesn't really... He because never, I, he never I, has that, like, R2, C3PO vibe with Chopper. Like, it's there, they introduce this vibe, and then they don't use AP vibe, like, ever. <laughs> I, I think they just, you know, I, I, I think they they um try to give themselves, a, you know, a little more... Little more characters is, is than they need, just to have the options there, you know. And who knows? And AP five, hey, you know, we have had enough AP five. If all of a sudden there's a cult following of AP five after you know a few years of of rebels hanging around on Disney Plus, you know, you could do something set at any time period post <laughs> post rebels and have AP five in it because. He's a droid, so you know, he's still there in the universe. He could still be used, or, or you know, or show up or whatever. It, it's just sort of something, you know. I'm sure they just had brainstorming sessions for characters and stuff, and we're like, yeah, let's let's throw AP5 in the in the mix. Maybe later down the season, we'll have a good use for him, and and maybe they just decided that having that second episode where he got to have his little song out in space was enough. Yeah. Hard to say. Yeah. I mean, Resistance has the same problem, too. Resistance has way too many characters for its two seasons. Right. If they did a normal-sized season for for this, for season four here, they probably could have put him in more. They probably could have had him in more. Absolutely. Um... But my my favorite droid robot moment, aka Chopper moment, is the same as yours. Um, is Chopper holding Hera's hand in the episode Doom after Kanan has died? Um, that that is the moment every time I lose my shit is when Chopper takes her hand. Like like Sabine's crying, Zeb and Ezra are hugging, but when Chopper the murder bot rolls up to Hera and takes her hand and like he immediately goes to her and he takes her hand and that's the moment where I'm just like ah! <laughs> Chopper has a heart <laughs> like I lose it that's that's my hope is losing it scene so that's um, a podcast right there hope is losing her shit <laughs> yes actually um Francine messaged me today and she was like you need to make merchandise where you say this Jimmy's my jams because you say that a lot and I was like I do say it a lot don't I this is my Jimmy jam and Jimmy's my jams <laughs> um, is there a moment that you're still not over whether it's sad funny happy etc yes hocus pocus 
hocus palp palp palpy palpitating his palps. <laughs> I just like that. Did you that say it all? Huh? Didn't that say it all? Him bubbling, bubbling, and boiling, troubling. Hocus his pocus. Hocusing his pocus, abbering his cadabras. Help. I was all into it. How? his palpses palpin his pentagram putting it up on his pentagram <laughs> I can't take I can't take uh, that joke it's not mine it's from the owl house their social media is called pentagram I can't uh, I can't owl, that's an owl house joke <laughs> I can't say that his pal um, his uh, palpy pool his twitter Healthy pool full of Jedi tears. <laughs> well, um, I actually kind of have two. Um, for one, my one moment I'm not over is I will never be over Thrawn being defeated by space whales. Oh my god. But really, the bigger one was just Ahsoka coming back into canon. Um, her being saved and being taken out of Twilight Light of the Apprentice and surviving and then becoming Ahsoka the White. Like, I, that moment just means so much to me as an Ahsoka fan. And she's my favorite character of all of Star Wars. Like, I love this character so much. So that, that to me, like, Ahsoka being saved in the canon and being still alive to go on to whatever adventures with Sabine as Ahsoka the White. Like, I will never, ever, ever be over that. I just, ugh, that makes me so happy to the end of the earth. Well, next we wrote questions for the both of us to answer. So, I'm pretty much continuing what we have been, but these are more season-specific. So, the first one is, how do you think Rebels impacts the bigger Star Wars universe? Um, well, it, it broadens our understanding in the context of the Rebellion as a whole. Because, like, in the original movie... The, the the Star Wars could have been going on for years. The way, like, in the scene they cut with Biggs, which everybody, you know, we all read that in the novel and it was in the comics and stuff. You know, they, you know, Biggs is talking about going to the Imperial Academy and, you know, and people are talking about the... It could have been going on for, like, decades, you know, as far as we know, you know. And, um, but once once you start getting the timeline set up here it um you find out how you know relatively fresh the rebellion is and it lays down a very plausible timeline of of how it and how and within the time period that it formed so you know um just going forward in and that's like in the the, the storyline, but going forward in like future, in the future of Star Wars produced stuff, it gives, it it, it really like more so than the movies, it, it left, and like Clone Wars, it gives new directions for the Force to go, and to look at the Force, and it it's just loaded with world building and fodder for stuff like the Mandalorian you know where and with with characters coming out of it you know and 
potentially. So yeah, um, no, actually we have we we have seen characters from Clone Wars and Rebels in the Mandalorian, and we'll probably see Ahsoka. It looks like we're seeing Ahsoka in it next season. Yeah. So yeah, I I mean Re- Rebels was really you know, and also Rebels was specifically made when Disney acquired the property to do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it was made with a plan for that. Whereas Clone Wars, it was hard. Like Clone Wars was just being made to had a beginning, middle and end. And it was setting up stuff that they used in Rebels. But I don't think that there was a plan for like movies coming out and stuff. There wasn't plans to tie stuff in. And Rebels was created with that in mind and succeeded in it. Yeah. Um, ditto to a lot of what you said. <laughs> I have a, a kind of my same answer too. It just adds so much to the mythos. It was able to tell a lot of those classic Star Wars themes, but with more time. Uh-huh. When, when I was writing this out, I, I was thinking back to what you said really early on when we were doing Rebels about how in the beginning, the ghost crew was almost like avatars of the original trilogy. Like, Ezra was the Luke character. Kanan was kind of like the Han Solo. Um, uh, Zeb was kind of like the Chewbacca. And we have these classic themes in Rebels that are also in the movies. But with a television show like format like Rebels, like, I, I would almost suspect that if you took the original trilogy and made it into a television show... Luke's journey would be very similar to Ezra's. Um, you would have like kind of like that same like I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm learning. I don't really have the best way of doing this. I have no direction. But then he eventually comes into his own. And I, I think Rebels is able to show what these classic stories of Star Wars could be with more time in a TV show. And also, it just made so many amazing characters like. Like, these characters are so memorable, and it brought some memorable Legends characters back in, like Thrawn. And it was able just to do so much, so. That was I fine. agree. <clears throat> if you could go, you actually, this one, this one tripped me up, because uh, I, when I wrote this question, and then I went back to actually fill this in, I was like, oh, I meant to write hardcore. season. <laughs> My well, answer to this one is hardcore. <laughs> I meant to write like season, not show. <laughs> and so when I, but you had already put in your answer, so I was like, well, my I answer, guess I can't change it now. The, my, my my answer could work for the season or the show. Yeah, that more works. so for the season though. More yeah, so yeah. specifically so, for, I would have to adapt it a little, you know. But yeah. It was my tiny little like, oh fuck moment, because I I meant to write season, not show, but. If you could go back and change one thing about this show, what would you change? All right. So my first sentence here, I would have had Thrawn wreck way more havoc on the Rebels. That would be for the show in general. Early on, but if we're changing, if it was in the season on that specific thing, I would have Thrawn have taken out Kanan early on in season four, and I would have had it been like he 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 sets it up traps and kills Kate I mean Hera's the leader of the group and you probably should take out Hera but like he takes out the like the the oldest Jedi you know takes out like methodically like traps him and Kanan gets trapped and killed 
or you know in a in a dramatic fashion but by specifically by Thrawn by a plan of Thrawn early in the season because that would catch people by surprise and really make Thrawn like that you're like give him a you know a lot more heft as far as being a deadly foe and you know Kanan was good pro- probably being planned on not making it through the season so I would have I would have done it in that way and and really like made Thrawn a lot more I think it would have made Thrawn a lot scarier and 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 if he took out Kanan at the beginning of season four it would be just like anything would be on the table after that you know anything good or bad happening would be on the table after that and that would really make it it might be a little too intense for the (laughs) demographic of the show but kanan did get end up dying in it so yeah i think they could have pulled it off but yeah i i see what you're saying the only place that i disagree with that is arinda killing kanan was the pivotal moment of her own downfall and she had such a good falling character arc at the end of season four because she was her own undoing mm-hmm. and she it was her own mistakes that made her fail and that that would be my only thing of like I if if because I think that would be cool to to show Thrawn being that powerhouse but at the same time it's such a pivotal moment of Arinda's story that I would then hope that they would write something in similar. They could have done so. Yeah, so I was gonna say they, they. It probably wouldn't have been killing a major character, but she could have done something that like. Like maybe took out Ryder or something. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um. So what's me, your answer? Yeah, for me, um, I really, I was, I was kind of thinking back on the show, and to me, there are two points that are really uneven. I really missed the lack of force elements from season three to the end because Maul, we've talked about this, didn't really do much and Palpatine comes in so late. Most of season three and four are missing a force villain. And then, but it's so rebellion heavy focused. And when I found out that Minister Hayden was, had been developed in season three to be a force villain, I would have really loved to see that. So I, I would have just liked it to be so like much more even because season one and season two are very force heavy but light on right. the rebellion, and season three and season four are very rebellion heavy but light on the force. And I would have just liked to see that a little bit more even throughout the show. Yeah, I can I can totally uh, agree with that. Yeah, I mean, same story and everything. Just you know, either have less Maul and bring in Hayden so he's more of a force villain or have Maul actually impact and do more and not take away from stuff um, and then have those earlier rebellion moments like earlier in season 1 and season 2 just so it's more even mm. um, season 4 was a short season what would you have liked to see if we had gotten more because I, I counted it out we were missing 6 episodes we were 6 episodes away from having a full season so what would you have done to fill in those 6 episodes I don't even know if you would if you would have to do it by filling in those six episodes, but um, um, you could have done it in it. Like you could have done it in the Saw. Maybe you um, even had more Saw Gerrera, but a storyline that would have made Katsu an actual character that we cared and knew about that 
fit in with this season. So when she shows up at the end, you know, we we're like, hey, it's Ketsu. I'm glad to see glad to see you, Ketsu. And I like like I maybe like I just actually thought of this while I'm rereading my answer. Maybe a storyline. How about this? When the storyline with Saw Gerrera, you could expand that, you know, more Saw Gerrera and uh, have included Ketsu in it because I think Ketsu would have been very, very likely could have been like, I kind of like this Saw guy and maybe at the end gone like, hey, I'm really a fan of, you know, I'm really great hanging out with you um, guys, but uh, kind of vibe with uh, <laughs> what Saw's doing right now, you know? Yeah. And maybe been more of a foil, a foil with Ezra too, and 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 gone off with Saw, and then, <laughs> you know, maybe at some point she comes back and she's just like, yeah, he's crazy, <laughs> or not, or she she's fine with Saw's tactics, and but she shows up, you know, to help them out at the end, you know. Yeah. So something like that would have uh, would have. Uh, definitely helped a lot made it made made it like worth having her in there at the end of the season why even bring her back if we don't even care and then really she doesn't really do anything other than just like a couple you know just sort of couple couple witty lines and she gets unlock a door you know mm-hmm. yeah I, I was thinking about what would be those six episodes and really, they'd probably be just character episodes um, uh-huh. or character focused because that's this this is plot straight through beginning to end. And it's wrapping up plot, um, and it works for the plot. But a lot of the character things are missing. Um, I would have really loved to have that Zeb episode, um, in particular with Callus, because Callus is such an important character. Zeb and Callus are like like are so important to each other's story arcs. And after Zero Hour. They're not together again until, like, the finale, um, when they're such important characters to each other's story. And I would have loved to have an episode with the two of them, like, maybe Cal is trying to fit in the rebellion, and Zeb and them, like, he tags along with the, the ghost crew on a mission, and so it's, like, Zeb showing Callus the rebellion ropes, and, like, Callus is, like, kind of in the writer position where he's just like, how are you people not dead? <laughs> right. Like, I, I, I just, I'm missing that Zeb and Callus episode because it's kind of like when I was, ta- back when we did the honorable ones, the part of Callus' storyline is that middle part of the alphabet. We have A through P. We have X, Y, and Z. We don't have that, like, middle section of him adjusting to the rebellion. And I think that would have been a really cool having, like, an episode with them. Um, and... I was kind of thinking more about Theron's character, too. And this is more of, like, a selfish indulgence. Um, I would love to see Karen Farrow. Um, Karen Farrow is such an important character in the Thrawn books. She, along with, like, after Eli leaves, like, she is Thrawn's second-in-command. Like, she is Commodore fucking Farrow. And she has looked Darth Vader in the face and was just like, you're on my ship, bitch. <laughs> but, you know, not more respectful because it's Darth Vader and he would have stabbed her. But, <laughs> I mean, she's a good character and she's a force to be reckoned with. And she she's not in the finale because Thrawn Treason put her not in the finale. So she's not on the ship with the space whales when the space whales take the ship away. 
But I, I would have liked to see like a little bit of the Thrawn crew because the Chim- me and Megan jokingly call them the Kumbaya Chimera because the Chimera actually works really well. And there's a lot of really good characters on there like Vanto and Pharaoh and Hammerly. Like I know I'm just throwing out random names to Chris, but like I would have loved to something that the early season did so well when we had like Tua and Callus as Agent Callus and the Grand Inquisitor is we kind of got to see that that Imperial side of things. And after Callus left, we didn't get to see that Imperial side of things anymore. I So I would have liked to have like an episode of like on the Chimera seeing that Imperial side of things that was really, really good in season three and really good in earlier seasons. That's one of my favorite things about early Rebels is seeing that Imperial side of this is how it works on the lower levels, but now seeing it on the Chimera. So that's my, my little selfish thing. I just want Karen Farrell. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to get into our questions for that. We ask each other. Let's see. You have one, two, three, four, five. I think we both have I, five. I, I have one, two, three, four, five plus a callous solution. Right. So we should price. Well, let's start with you. Okay. Yeah. And then you'll fit. <clears throat> and then I'll have the last one and then you can, you can do your thing. Do, okay. that. do that thing. Say the thing. Okay, so your first question is, was there any element to the show? And this is this is a left this is a question that I that I've asked a few times. Was there any element in the show that you think there could have been less of in order to make room for something else? Back when I was answering the question, um what if I could go back and change one thing about the show as I was talking I was like I feel like I already wrote out this answer but it's not here here my question is yeah my question is what would you take out <laughs> to put in all because because I know there's stuff that uh that you you know you could have had more of like Thrawn stuff and Zeb's Zeb and Callus stuff or just Zeb stuff even but yeah. what 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 would have if you if you were gonna put in that stuff and something had to go what would you take out is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I you know this I couldn't really think of a good answer for this because yeah. I really do like all the elements of this show. Um, but going back to the answer before, it's just really unbalanced. Um, and it's this is <laughs> this is where I was like, <laughs> I already answered this question. Yeah, season one and season two brought a lot of the Force villains. We had the Inquisitors, we had Vader, we even had a, a little bit of Palpatine early on, but that's where like we had all these things. Season three brought the Rebellion as a whole, as well as Mandalore. Um, but it just, you know, it's one, it's the first half Super Force, second half Super Rebellion, and it doesn't really all come together until about a wolves in a door. That's when the Rebellion and the Force stuff comes together as one. Um, you know, actually, I don't know how they would do it because there's already so many characters and I don't even know what I would take out to make room for this. But remember, do you remember the Sumars? Do you remember Jai Kel? Do you remember Mart? Like, we have all these, like, side characters. And this was my gripe about a character like Jai Kel. He comes back in season four. We haven't seen him since season one. Yeah, we're like, I, who is this guy? Yeah, I just remember it's Dante Basco voicing him, and he's not Zuko. Um, so I, I don't know what I would take out to make room for it, but I would have liked to see them incorporate 
these side characters more. So, like, when Mr. Sumar dies in season three, it actually means something. Or having Jai come back in sooner so we know who he is in season four. (laughs) And that's been a gripe of mine of Rebels, is that they really, really space out their side characters um, to to the point of forgetting who they are. And I don't even know how what I would take out to make room for them because this, the show is already pretty darn packed. Um, it would probably go back to the whole like adding in the six episodes of Rebels things that that would be of uh, of season four. Season one was a short season too, actually. Season one I think was like I think sixteen episodes. I think it was missing like four or five. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. It was a shorter season as well, so. But yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know what I would take out because I really like all the elements of the show. I just, I feel like the show is very uneven um, between its force and its rebellion stuff. But I don't even know what I would take out. Maybe Maul. As much as I like Maul and I like his story arc, he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah no, that totally makes Maul. sense. Um, I, I would love to see them introduce him in Twilight, kill him in Twin Suns. The other three episodes, while they're awesome and they're great and it brings the Darksaber back into play, they're repetitive and he doesn't do anything. It's just Mm -hmm. that, Ezra, I'm here being evil. And Ezra's like, all right, let me go get tricked by you again. And Ezra's like, oh, no, I got tricked by Maul. Who saw that coming? And Maul's just like, I'll see you in three episodes. (laughs) And he runs away. Like, repeat three times. Like, that is Maul in Rebels. Um, So, yeah, I would actually probably take out Maul and use those episodes as something else. They can find the dark saber other ways. Sure. They could have went to Dathomir on their own. Yeah. They could get it posthumously trying to like undo something Maul did and go to Dathomir and find it. Yeah. So. All right, Chris. We're talking the rumored rebel sequel. You don't like Thrawn. How would you fix him if there is a rumored Rebel sequel where he's stuck with Ezra and Space Wells? Um, I'm going to get crazy again and say he might not actually have to be fixed because... What? Yeah, he can be himself now because he's removed from his context of being some kind of big, bad guy, super genius, tactical wizard... You know, Hannibal Lecter, um, he's he'd be n- no longer have the power of the Empire behind him or any kind of rank or anything. He w- he's a guy in in a Star Destroyer and he's, you know, I'm going to assume they're going to probably be somewhere not, you know, just out in the wilderness. And so he can be himself because he doesn't have any power. You know, and, you know, anything, anything that he does to help Ezra or in the, you know, to help their situation, he has to actually do it. It's not reputation. His reputation is, is meaningless now, you know, especially to someone like Ezra is like, okay, whatever, dude, we just whooped you like 99% of the time. So he could, you know. He could be entertaining and be and you know still be his pompous jerk self in this because it's he won't he's taken down a few pegs you know so so the the more thrawn like he is in a sort of 
degraded situation, the more entertaining it would be. So, yeah. I have a question. Okay. Because we said that we would do this um, once we finish. So I have my list of Chris has nice things about Thrawn. Oh. Do you want to read the complete list now or save it for the wrap up next week? I would hate to forget about it next week because I have it pulled up now. Yeah, don't make them listen to it. Don't okay. make our, don't make our guests sit through it. Make our listeners <laughs> yeah. sit through it. All right. So, <laughs> so this gonna... is Chris's final question about Thrawn. This was his final list of things of Chris saying nice things about Thrawn. Here we go. <clears throat> Chris likes his appearance. He never killed a character that Chris liked. Thrawn keeps a neat and tidy office and is organized with nice decorations. Thrawn has very good enunciation and he's a very clear speaker. Thrawn is cool because he has a nerd because he's a nerd with a pocket protector. Chris is delusional, but I'm proud that he came up with a headcanon. So Chris thinks that Thrawn would smoke pot with Ben Dude, and so hooray for Chris for having headcanons. It's because he has red eyes. <laughs> Thrawn is con- a, Thrawn is a considerate boss who checks in on his employees. Thrawn would be a good player in a game of chicken. Chris likes hologram Thrawn because he can hold him in his hands, and Chris thinks hologram Thrawn is super cute with three hearts. Uh, Thrawn must have something on Pabs because it keeps him from being demoted. Thrawn is nice enough to take him uh, take. Thrawn is nice enough to take time out of his meetings with Palps to check back in with Arinda. Thrawn would be a great exterminator, like in Thrawn Treason. And finally, animals like to give Thrawn really nice hugs in relation to space whales. Huggies. See, Thrawn. Chris can't say nice things about Thrawn. We have a whole list of it. <laughs> that was actually a good idea to do it now because it leads right into your next question. Hey, look at that. How, how, how does that work out? How does Rebels Thrawn stack up to Book Thrawn? And I'm talking more, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be more like, you could, I mean, feel free to compare them to like Legends Thrawn, but I'm, I'm th- thinking the Thrawn that they're using in the storyline. So like in the, the newer Disney books. Yeah, canon versus or, Legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I'm just going to flat out say I'm not a fan of Legends Thrawn, so we're, we're going to move on from that. Um, I I like Canon Thrawn. Um, you know, Rebels was my first real introduction to Thrawn. I didn't grow up with Legends. I knew he was a thing. I knew that he was a character. But Rebels was my first true introduction to the character. And it was enough to make me go, all right, well, let me read this canon book about this guy and see what he really is about. And that's when I read 2015 Thrawn. And my God, I love Book Thrawn. Like, Rebels Thrawn is good. He's a nice kind of, in, like, a, like a, he's a nice appetizer. But Book Thrawn is like, oh, it jimmies all the jams. I It changed everything about the character for me. It made me question whether or not he was actually a bad guy. It had this bombshell revelation that he could actually be a good guy on the wrong side. Um, and I just love being in his head. Uh, 2015 Thrawn is the first time that we're actually in Thrawn's head. Watching him actively deduce. In the, in the Legends, we were never actually inside his brain watching him analyze stuff. And being able to see his thoughts and how 
he changed from being this kind of more idealistic person into a cruel person because the rebel, like the uh, the Empire, made him change into like just like correcting him. Like there's an earlier scene where he's like he's being chastised for saving lives. He's like, why why wouldn't I save the lives? And the the his commanding officer was looked at him and goes, because you saved the, the the supplies. The supplies is what actually cost us money, not the lives. And Thrawn was like, okay. <laughs> like, we got to see him change from this kind of more idealistic like person to, like, this crueler person. But at the same time, remaining who he is and being able to see how he learns the imperial system to play the imperial system, how he plays cruel when he's still kind and trying to find the best way to save lives. And I think that's the difference because Thrawn is actively trying to save lives and to not cause casualties in the books as much as he possibly can, which is just not the imperial way. And so he has to play an imperial and play cruelty and we see it in Rebels. We see that bleed in. Like, there's a point where he looks point blank at Tiber Saxon. He's like, if you use the Duchess on your own people, you're going to get killed for it. And Tiber's like, I'll be fine. I'm Tiber Saxon. And Thrawn's like, all right, your funeral. I tried. <laughs> I tried to warn you. You're going to die. Um, so I, I don't, I, yeah, I just, I love Book Thrawn. Book Thrawn is just so good, except for in Thrawn Treason, which is a piece of shit book. Uh, but Thrawn, Thrawn 2015 and Thrawn Alliances, man, I love, I love those books. I love how arrogant he is. He's such a prick. Him and Anakin together are just the best thing that has ever happened because they're just two arrogant pricks facing off to be the most prickish of the pricks. <laughs> I love that. Prick off. Oh my god, they're so good together. There's actually an entire section of Thrawn correcting Anakin how to to say his name and Thrawn just, just Anakin just gets fed up. He's like, fine, I'll just call you Thrawn. I don't care anymore. And Thrawn's like, thank you. <laughs> Let's go on. Let's go save your wife. I mean, not your wife. It's clearly your wife. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I love book Thrawn so much. Rebels Thrawn was my introduction, but book Thrawn was my love. Um, for my next question, the liberation of Lothal is now the earliest, biggest blow against the Empire. Do you think that lessens the events of the original trilogy? No, not a, not really, because it's an outlier planet, and it doesn't negate the it didn't negate the Death Star. You know, it's sort of like it's sort of like a glimmer of where the rebels can succeed. Um, but um. You know, all the while the Death Star is looming over it. You know, they were they were catching them. You know, set. You know, we see the setups for the Death Star. You know, there was some of it in the Sagrera episode, and uh, and stuff. So, yeah, there's there. It, it doesn't negate the Doomsday weapon that looms over the whole first trilogy. You know, the original trilogy for with the original Death Star and Death Star Two. So. But it does, it just does show that like it, it's, it's, it illustrates hope. And so it maybe it like sort of more gives like the kernel of hope with the rebellion that it formed around, you know, that mm -hmm. rally, ra rally the rebellion enough to, to get to the point where they could take out the Death Star. So, yeah, yeah I no. think so. 
So short answer, no. No. Okay, so Hope's next question. You can only choose one to have on a desert island. Ah, I'm I'm being such a jerk with my questions. I'm realizing, I can't. I I wrote I wrote these after work. If you can't. This tell. was the softest of softball questions for me. You can only choose one to have on a desert island: Clone Wars or Rebels. Easy Rebels, because it has Clone Wars characters in it. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing missing is Cad Bane in Toto 360 and like sassy Obi Wan. I, I would say like I, I would miss I would Anakin pick, and I would Obi Wan, but Wars. technically Anakin's here because he's here as Black Metal Daddy. So, but Clone like has, has my Grievy in it. Yeah, like, I thought that I thought this was going to be more of a Sophie's choice for you. I didn't know it was going to be that easy. No, it was like. But your answer makes perfect sense. <laughs> and Clone Wars characters in it. The only thing that's missing is Cad Boo. Toto 360, Toast Daddy, and Sassy Beard Dad, which is Anakin Rose one. Oh, Greavy. Oh, yeah, Greavy too, but I mean, yeah. yeah. All right, your next one. Let's see, where am I? Oh, there's the Empire. Okay, so we're on this one. So, Chopper didn't do much this season. AP5 wasn't even in season four. Do you think the droids should have done more? If so, where would you have liked to have seen them? Uh, things were too serious and like mo- and the plot was moving really fast to have like AP5 doing comedy relief with Chopper and Chopper was just sort of perfect in his backup to the human action. You know, we built this character and this one he actually just sort of got to do support and uh, support and doing a few just general Chopper things. He got, you know, he got a little bit of grandstanding when they were on that giant uh, radio telescope looking thing. Um, but like, and he got to show a little emotional support at the season, uh, you know, to, to sprinkle in on top of the murdering. I, I think they, I think they, for, for a short season, I think they sort of had to, you know, focus on those, those few main characters. And so I, I, I think they sort of hit the right spot with it. I forgot about the satellite dish fight in the Saw yeah, episode. Yeah, that one. I love they, that fight. That's there was such a, a lot good of fight. Chopper. Chopper got to Chopper got to do a lot of physical comedy and fun in that one. So you know. And he, and he did a lot of stuff in the Mandalore episode too. Like yeah. I remember him like flying with his boosters and just picking up a gun and just like slapping. Oh, a that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the satellite dish fight. Oh, see, this goes back to my like. 20 it's 2020 i don't remember what we talked about yeah 2020 that was such a good fight that's one of my favorite fights the mind eraser if 2020 was a drink it would be a mind eraser oh yeah absolutely (laughs) one of my uh favorite web comics i've been reading it for over a decade um i started reading it in college it's called sequential art um it's on jolly jack's curious i collected curios and he said the he always dates his new comics, and he said the ninety eighth of Julember twenty nine 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 nine. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I've I've seen a few of those posted by people over the years. Sequential art. Yeah. As uh, a cat, a penguin, a squirrel, and a human, all as roommates. Yes. I love yes, it. I've, I, seen, I've seen people posting that here and there. Yeah, like, I, I'm a big big fan of um. I, I, I've been reading it since college for over a decade. I've been reading it longer than I've been a podcast. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah. 
Sever, I can't remember his fucking name. What is your name? Um, Philip Jackson. There we go. I was like, I was like, I know it's Phil something. That's the last name. So, ah, uh, what's well, my next question? I'm asking you, right? I think. Yep. Is uh, for you? It would uh, would season four benefited from being longer, or did it, or was it just the right length for what they had to do? You know, this this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Um, plot wise, it did what it needed to do. It wrapped up the big storylines of Mandalore, wrapped up the rebellion storyline. We went back to Lothal, we freed Lothal, we got Kanan out of the original trilogy timeline, we took Ezra and Thrawn out of the original tra- trilogy timeline, like. Plot-wise, season four did what it needed to do. Um, this, where it suffered was those lack of character-building episodes that longer seasons had. Like, we didn't have the Ketsu episode or anything like that. And I started thinking back to an episode How like, badly do you think that that detracted from the season? Honestly, is, I mean, honestly, we're, like, our like, scores are so high for this season, too, you know? You know, that's interesting, because, yeah, other seasons have much lower-scoring episodes for me, and this one's, like... You know, this, this is a really solid season writing-wise. Season four is actually my least favorite season. Huh. Even though it has pretty, like, I, I didn't really have any scores lower than, like, an eight. Yeah. But, like, personally, for my personal enjoyment, like, I just, I don't go back and I don't rewatch season four. I'd, I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to really go back over my notes to see if there was a season. I really like season four. I'd have to go over my notes to see what that was if this was indeed like my favorite season and i, and I think I it's know. because i am a more of like a character over plot person um because like the plot is solid whole way through it's such a solid written season yeah but like i i in my notes i noted the episode fighter flight from season one it's like a, like the third episode of rebels and it's about zeb and ezra stealing a tie fighter and it doesn't really do anything for the bigger story but that's one of my personal favorite episodes of Rebels because it's just a character building episode of like seeing how they interact. It's fun. It's fun Star Wars, but it's it's developing the characters. There's a reason why Trials of the Darksaber is such a good episode because it's a character building episode for Sabine. I like episodes like, oh, not Path of the Jedi. What is it? Um... I can't remember the name of the title, but it's the one where Ezra, Ahsoka, and Kanan go into the Jedi Temple. And Kanan gets knighted by the Grand Inquisitor as a temple guard. Because that not only is a big moment for Kanan's character, it also goes back and like implies so much character development for the Grand Inquisitor. And it makes you look back at his story and go, he was a temple guard. He was a Jedi like Kanan. Whoa, his story. Like, that just changed everything. So I, I think that's part of the reason why season four is my least favorite is because you don't have this kind of almost breather episodes. It's just from the, from Mandalore to space whales. It doesn't stop. It just goes. And you don't have this kind of like, I think Doom is the closest that you have to a breather episode. and probably so Just like resting. Yeah. Yeah, because they're just mourning. And, and that and Crawler Commandeers. Um, the little lizard guys, and they're taking over the minor crawler, and they bring back the Zago. That's like one last fun adventure romp together as the team because Kanan dies in the next episode, um, or no, like two episodes after that. Um, and I and I miss that. I really do. Like, there's nothing wrong with season four. It's just, it's so. I think it's because it's so heavy. Like, there's nothing that makes me like want to 
really it feels almost I don't want to say like a chore, but you know, you, it takes mental spoons to watch season four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't take mental spoons to watch the what can't do job with Scrotum Face, Hondo, right, right. Zeb, and Ezra. <laughs> you know? And I, I think that's I, I miss those those kind of fun character episodes where it's just like them having a fun little adventure romp. I like those and I miss them. Because that's that's where some of the best stuff is, you know? I agree. Um, your next question is, do you think that the Purgle space wells were smart to use in the finale, or were they too far out of left field? Uh, the first time around, I thought they were kind of forced and just showed up all of a sudden, but watching it the second time, they definitely set the groundwork. I was paying attention a lot more to Ezra's relationship to animals and and Ezra's relationship, you know, through the whole, um, through the whole show, and the animals' relation to the Force, and on a second viewing, the 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 Perkles showing up at the end is not um, that out of left field. You know, they they set yeah. up the groundwork for it, and it makes a lot of sense. And the second, the first time around, I was like. Oh, this is kind of okay. Whatever. This is a plot element. The second time around, I was just like, "Yes, wreck stuff, Purgles." So, and, and I, was, I was sitting there going, "Like, I did forgot that this. I did not remember this being so great because I probably wasn't enjoying it as much." But the second time, I was just like, "Yes, wrecking stuff." So, yeah. Um, the 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 second time around, uh, I think it's it's actually kind of perfect. Yeah. All right. Next for Hope. Get the get. Uh, another. Oh, we're going to grab this softball and I'll just toss it right over to you. Okay. If you could insert, uh, I, I, and I didn't purposely use the word insert, one incredibly selfish and indulgent element of fan fiction. Oh, that's right. This is an old question that <laughs> in the season, because it's a season three, but in the season four. What would it be as if I didn't know, as if we all didn't know? I mean, do you have to ask more Kellism? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's... Did you want, would you want, want it to be like just a domestic episode or would you just have it like another, um, just like co-adventure together? You know, this this is actually kind of an interesting question because because it's your fanfic. They can be they can be doing whatever whatever you want. Yeah, um, I'm gonna get on my like little Disney soapbox for a minute. Um, I I think I I have been really extra critical of the writing of Callus and Zeb the second time through. Because I have been really analyzing a lot of different animation, of course, we have our other podcast that makes Chris watch cartoons over on Geeky Girl Experience. I've been writing about animation now for, well, I started back in March and it's August now. So what was that, six months-ish, give or take. Um, and just like really looking at media and really looking at animation as a medium. And one of the things that I've been really looking at is the, the development of queer content and animation and something that's just becoming more and more and more apparent is how far behind Star Wars animation is with queer content. 
and we get Orca and Flicks in Star Wars Resistance, but they Dumbledore them. They're at no point in Star Wars Resistance are we ever told that they're boyfriends or husbands. We don't know. They're never actually confirmed in fucking canon that they're together. It's just heavily implied. And then the producers, like Justin Ridge, confirmed it in an interview, just like J.K. Rowling did to fucking Dumbledore. And I just, looking back on Rebels, I don't think it's a malicious thing to have Steve Bloom sitting on a panel at Celebration, and he's just excitedly excitedly saying, them and Callus are going to go away together and be together at the end, and they're going to be together, and it's going to be great, and they're boyfriends, and I support them, with like Dave Filoni sitting right next to him, not shutting him up. And I don't think that's malicious, but that's also queerbaiting. Like, that is the very definition of queerbaiting, of saying two same-sex couples or characters are going to be together, and then it's not confirmed in canon. It's all but confirmed in canon. They run away together and go to Lyrison, and they're together at the end, but there's no confirmation that they're actually romantically together. And I've been kind of looking back at animation the last few years and seeing, like, the breaking of the mold that is Korasami from The Legend of Korra. The, the entire show, Steven Universe, and Rebecca Sugar standing her ground saying, Garnet, like, uh, no, not Garnet, uh, Ruby and Sapphire are two little lesbians, and here's their wedding on Cartoon Network. We're having a gay wedding on Cartoon Network. Fuck yes. And then seeing She-Ra, like Noelle Stevenson's run of She-Ra, where it literally has the gay kiss that saves the universe. The universe is saved from a gay kiss. And... And saved from I, or saved by? Saved, saved by a gay kiss. Well, I maybe. Well, it's... let me let me finish, Chris. Um, and then I look at Star Wars, and I look at Disney, and every show I just named was on every other channel other than Disney, and Disney has a history of censoring queer content on their show. Um, I referenced this one article a lot of Gravity Falls creator Alex Hirsch, and back in 2014, he just tried to have this like little bit in the background of two little old ladies falling in love. And Disney flat out told him no. They said, we need to talk to you about this scene. And they wouldn't even send him emails. They would only talk to him on the phone because they didn't want a paper trail that they were trying to hide this gay scene. And he called them out on it. And he was very vocal and public about it. Um, and to the point where Disney flat out said, if you don't take out these two little old ladies together, we will personally cut it out of your episode ourselves. And so Disney has a track record of yeah. of taking out queer characters until let's see it's it's August 10th until uh, two days ago, two days ago in the Owl House they confirmed that one of their characters is queer on Disney Channel. Disney Channel has an animated queer character. We go over into the Disney umbrella and the Marvel side. They have animation with America America Chavez who is a queer character in comics. And then I look at Star Wars, and I look at it and I go, why is Star Wars struggling with this? Which now we have it in Marvel, now we have it on Disney Channel. Why is Star Wars struggling with this and not doing it well? Because there's no excuse when you have shows like She-Ra and Steven Universe and and uh, Legend of Korra, and now the Owl House. Yeah. You don't have excuses anymore to give us, like, to not confirm that Orca and Flix are a couple to not give us Callus and Zeb and say they are romantically a couple. Like there's not like, and, and so like that would be my one incredibly selfish indulgent things yeah. is give us 
confirmed gay characters in Star Wars animation. So yeah, yeah, you're just you're you're asking Disney to <laughs> to just conf- be clear because that's the problem with Orphan Flicks. Well, that's Flick. that's, a, that's, that's the funny really, thing is like like it's, Orphan Flicks would be really good would be really good queer rep if it was just confirmed, but it's never confirmed in show, so therefore it's not actual Dis- rep. Disney is a different different animal than you know whoever owns Cartoon Network and stuff. All of them have their brands that they want to, you know, control how they portray them. And at the same time, in this time period, everybody wants to sort of, um, you know, on a, to the, can communicate to the, the com- consumers that they are friendly towards, you know, gay and LGBTQ people because the majority of people in the country are. So... Mm-hmm. But Disney is this like, and I mean, it's to their detriment. It's uh, they're so self-consciously this, um, like, I, I mean, they're the definition of a brand, you know, and they, and they, and they, their brand is so mixed in with a lot of people's just like, like with America, you know, in in America and all over the world, Dis, Disney, Mickey Mouse, you know, they're so like we're and it's funny because Disney as a company and like towards its consumers is very like Disney was way ahead of the curve on having like a, a special day. You know, I mean, back in the back in the day, because it was this is how long ago disney was ahead of this they had they were you know people were calling it gay day at disney Mm -hmm. and they would have a day where it was just openly you know come on in gay disney people to disney world you get a discount and it's it's you know it's like the pride parade day at, at, at disney and that was a huge deal you know and people were scandalized by it and uh, but Disney knew where their bread was buttered. They knew they had a lot of, you know, but they have a, a lot of people who are like super religious or super sensitive. And they're just so concerned with, you know, how they they I, I remember when Disney started in their dark years were like, yeah, we're good. I, I can't remember. It was maybe it was TriStar. One of the they, they formed an adult you know, just to make regular movies. And they did that movie priest about a gay priest and people went berserk, you know, how can Disney do this? And people are like, that's not Disney. It's like, well, Disney owns a company and people are like, what? And I think they're just afraid to, I, I, I think in, yeah. in like, in like they, they, they probably want to, to do that with characters, but they're probably like, should we do that with star Wars? Cause we just paid $4 billion for star Wars, you know? Yeah. And and so it's it's like, cowardice, babe. Basically, it's it's being too. Disney yeah. has a long history of being way too careful about their their image. You know, yeah. Like we we talk about Alex Hirsch a lot in our other podcast, Home Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, because we're currently going through Gravity Falls, and Alex Hirsch has fought Disney censors constantly. Like we are in our other podcast, we're constantly talking about Disney censors. Um, and he actually in the interview I was talking about earlier flat out called Disney cowards. He he said in the interview something like, there are a bunch of cowards who are trying to appeal to bigots. 
Yeah. Well, he said well, it flat well, out in an interview. Um, in, in, in a way, yes, I agree with that. But at the same time, they're, they're cowards who are just too afraid of their jobs. You know, it's a yeah. big corporate structure. And they're like, if I do this and it doesn't go over well and and they've tried doing certain things and then they get big, you know, they get yelled at for it. And like Good Luck so. Charlie. Good Luck Charlie was a show that was on um, a few years ago and their second to last episode, like the show was about to end and their second to last episode, they had an episode with two gay moms. And people and like people lost their shit over the two gay moms. Right, on right. Disney. People lost their and like people lose their shit whenever and, Pixar has like like uh, like two moms in the background of Toy right, Story right. Three. <laughs> right, and that shit reverberates through the corporate structure behind it. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm a hundred percent sure there's there's probably like gay gay and lgbtq people in that corporate structure who are like nah you know <laughs> because that's how the corporate you know it's it's there's too much it's it's a very fearful thing whereas other company you, you know nike like nike has never had a reputation for being super family friendly or concerned with you know, be, you know, they don't want to offend anybody, but they'll also, they also like part of their brand is, is sort of stepping out into the social, you, so, you know, a little further into the social stuff than, than other, other people. So, you know, yeah, di I mean, that's the thing, that's the thing about it is if you go to work to Disney, you, you inherit all the, that, all and the, the things that go along with Disney. And one of them is they are gun shy and scared I, to offend and anybody a lot of it is they're finally seeing how profitable it is because yeah. steven universe has won multiple awards shira has run is winning awards currently because it just finished its run and they're seeing how profitable and how critics and right. they're, they're really they're realizing they can make money on gay people yeah they've always realized it but they're, yeah. they're still too scared to do it you know like having having a day where it's it's like encouraging gay, gay people to come to Disney World is different than putting out a movie, you know. Yeah. So. But I just uh, I'm gonna cap this off with a tweet that actually Alex Hurst posted yesterday, and I this is from um this is on Geeky Girl Experience. This was for my Owl House review for the episode um, Enchanting Grom Fright which they confirmed when the characters was openly queer. And Alex Hirsch wrote, Back when I made Gravity Falls, Disney forbade me from any explicit LGBTQ rep. Apparently, the happiest place on Earth meant the straightest. But as of today, thanks to Dana Terrace, who is the creator of The Owl House, um, and the team, there are explicitly queer animated main characters on Disney, on Disney TV. I'm so happy and proud to say that. In 2012, she, he has an image of the two characters. In 2012, Disney censors note would note this image would have been inappropriate for our channel. Please revise, call to discuss. They would want me to call to avoid a paper trail of emails. Now in 2020, there is no note at all. Props where it's due. This time, Disney, you did good for once. Go listen to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where we constantly talk about Disney censors. Yep. <laughs> that's something, that's a, that's a com common theme. You that can comes hear up on more. Yep. All right. Um, 
So for your and now to and now to the surface level. <laughs> Let's <laughs> climb back up to the surface level and hey, talk to Chris. <laughs> hey Chris, you're a visual guy. What are your favorite visuals of season four? Get me splashing around in the shallow end now. <laughs> me, I'm like drowning in the deep end of queer rep, and you're like with your little water wings going, yay! Marco. All right. Power out. So my my five favorite, I got, well, I didn't list four. I just listed a whole bunch of them. Ah, the Whale Carnage, which I missed the first time, but boy, it's beautiful and it's fun to watch. Uh, of course, Palpy's Pool and Palpy's Palpations in his pool and and uh, and his tendrils of evil. Uh, the the from Flight of the Defender, the tie the tie breaking the sound barrier yeah, was I just a beautiful little image. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's our Paul Kelly for the this episode. Um, in name of Re- the rebellion, uh, the the burning star destroyer. It was just awesomely portrayed. Um, the the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Jedi Temple, you know, sort of setup was just awesome. Uh, Close Encounters visual, and just the world between time in general. World between time is a is just a great, just sort of standout visual aspect of Star Wars in general, much less Rebels. Yeah, I also want to throw in there. Um... Kanan's death that scene is just so beautiful yes and that that that's probably the like to me like the one of the highest visuals of the season all right we got one more question for hope and it's everybody's favorite our traditional season finale of every season of so far <clears throat> hope give us a brief summary of callus's <laughs> evolution or callus evolution over season four and go. Man, the Rex Volution, because he's in the season two. Yes. So Kalos has gone on a great season. He's enjoying his life. He's on Yavin base now. They, they saved him from Thrawn um, at the end of last season. He got to hang out with Zeb and stuff like that. And there he's, you know, he's, he's fitting in. It's a, little, it's a little tough at times. He has Rex there showing him the ropes. And Rex is like, don't worry. We all hate you, and Cal is like, yeah, gee, thanks. I'll figure it out. Well, one day, Zeb comes in. And was Zeb in Heroes of Mandalore? Sabine comes in. <laughs> because I can't remember if Zeb is actually in those episodes. No, he's not. He's on the base. So Zeb and Callus are sitting together on the base. And Sabine shows up, and they're all like, Hey, sport, what's going on? And she's like, my gay uncle Zeb and Callus. We just got back from Mandalore, and oh man, it was crazy. And they're like, "Well, sit down, tell us about it. You look like you, you know, you could use a talk." And Sabine sits down at the table with them, and they give her like little cupcakes and stuff because I guess they bake now. <laughs> they bake now. I've deemed it canon. And so she's eating her cupcakes, and she was like, "Yeah, it was so crazy. Like my mom was there, and we had to save my dad. And my dad was like, "Oh, you're such a great artist." And I just wish people liked me for my art more here. People don't appreciate art, except for Thrawn, but he's bad, so I can't, like, show him my art. That'd be weird. Would it be weird if I called Thrawn and Zeb and Cal's are like, yes, it would be very weird. 
into being like, anyway, so we found Bo Katan and we blew up uh, my old weapon that used to kill Mandalorians, and I gave her the Darksaber. So that was fun. Yeah. But, you know, Ezra's having, going through this thing where he's like kind of moody, and he, you know, I understand. He really wants to go back to Lothal and stuff. And Callus is like, yeah, I know how much uh, he really wants to go back to Lothal. And Zeb's like, yeah, that's his home. And Zeb's, and Callus is just like, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> and so Zeb, so so Ezra comes in. He's like, oh my god, guys, are those cupcakes? I'm full of teenage angst and angst, and I just want to go save my planet. But Mon Mothma is being like a big old stupid face, and she won't let me go back to Lothal. And out of nowhere. A droid rolls up, and BAM! There's a massive head of Saw Gerrera, and Saw Gerrera's like, Hey, I'm a fulcrum agent, and I'm crazy! And Callus is like, Excuse you, I'm the fulcrum agent here. You can just fuck right off. And Mon Mothma comes out of nowhere, and she's like, It's alright, everyone. Me and my long neck will tell him off. Saw, you get out of here now. Bye. Saul's like, all right, bye. Um, and <laughs> Ezra looks at that big old image of Saul's head and he goes, yeah, that's what I want. And the gay uncles look at each other and, and Callus is like, Zeb, I think this is a really bad idea. And Zeb's like, yeah, probably. So Callus watches them all go off on an adventure. And it turns out that Ezra and Sabine run away with Saul Guerrero. And it goes about as great as you think. They almost die. Saul leaves two children behind on an exploding ship with a giant-ass kyber crystal exploding. Anyway, so they all come back, and Zeb comes in. He's like, man, we almost lost the kids on that one. And and Callus has gotten out his brush, and he's brushing Zeb's fur because, you know, he had a hard day. And finally Zeb's like, you know, we're about to go back to Lothal. Do you want to come with us? And Zeb's like, you mean we get to go on adventures together? And Zeb's like, nah, we don't, sorry, but we have a very important job for you. So they all get on the ghost, and there's Vizago, and they're like, hey, Vizago, we got puffer pigs, you want one? And Vizago's like, yes, I would love a puffer pig. That's apparently my Vizago voice. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had to do Vizago's voice. Yes, these are my puffer pigs. <laughs> And Hera pulls in Callus and sits him down. But she also pulls in Rex. And Rex comes in. And they sit down together. And Rex looks at him and goes, You know, this used to be my Rex Volution. And now it's yours. And Callus is like, We can share it. We're on the same team now. We can share the same evolution together. And Hera's like, I don't care about any of this. Look, we're all going back to Lothal for like 12 episodes, and you're not gonna be here. I need you to watch the ghost for me, okay? Get along, bye. And all the ghost crew leaves. So Callus and Rex, <clears throat> excuse me, Blah. Callus and Rex are sitting on the ghost, and they're kind of bored, but they have a very important job. They have to take care of the ghost for Callus, or for Hera while she's gone. So they're just enjoying their time and playing cards and playing that little monster hologram game. And then suddenly, the ghost shakes, and they're all like, what's happening? And they run back up to the cockpit, and they're being sucked into a wormhole! And then Hope steals an idea from Chris. <laughs> so they get pulled through a wormhole, and they wake up, 
and they're in Anaheim, California. And they're both like, what the fuck? Where are we? What is this place? And then behind them they hear, oh, hello there. I'm George Lucas. You're now on Skywalker Ranch. And they're both like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who are you? And George Lucas is like, I'm this is my friend, Dave. We created you both. And Dave's like, hi, I have a hat. And they're like, but, but why are we here, George and Dave? And George, George Lucas is like, well, you're not in the next 12 episodes, so we thought we would help you out. So they take them inside, and they give them a tour of Skywalker Ranch, and they're all just like, wow, look, there's figures of us. And they fight with their little figures, and they're having a really good time. And finally, they sit down, go away, stupid ad. Um, they, they finally sit down in this big room. And Cal is like, what is this magical world called? What is this magic room? And George Lucas is like, this is called a movie theater. And we're going to watch season four of Rebels and all the episodes you're not in. It's going to be great. And Cal and Rex are like, well, okay, that's cool. So they turn on season four of Rebels and they're watching it and they see Thrawn and his big old TIE Defender. And Rex leans over and he's like, ha, remember when you used to work for him? And Kallus is like, I never worked for Thrawn and his stupid tie defender. I was a rebel then. And they're eating their popcorn. They they see uh, Zeb and not Zeb. They see they see uh, Ezra and Sabine. Still a tie defender. And then crash. And they get saved by wolves. And and Kallus is like, Rex, those wolves are really cute. And Rex is like, you're way too much into being a furry. Please stop. And they're watching along, and Rook shows up, and they're both like, oh, he's creepy. And then they watch the ghost crew, still a crawler commander, and Vizago comes back, and he's just like, I'm Vizago, and I'm a slave now, I guess. And they're all like, wow, this is really interesting. And then Hera is making her a big move, and they're watching the rebels on the ground, taking out towers while Hera moves into attack. And the whole time, Kallus is like, my boyfriend is so pretty. Oh my god, look how... Rex, do you see how pretty he is? Rex is like, yes, I see how pretty your boyfriend is. And he turns and he's like, creators, do you see how pretty my boyfriend is? And George Lucas is like, yeah, you're a furry. <laughs> and they're like, this is great. Until Hera crashes and then they're both like, oh no, is Hera dead? Do we get to keep the ghost now? Is the ghost ours? But Hera survives! But she's captured by Arinda Price, and they're both like, Ah, oh, Arinda's such a bitch! What happens next? And then, it's up to Kanan to save her. And Rex is like, Oh, Kanan gets to save her! It's gonna be great! He's a Jedi! Jedi always survive! And then, as they're, they're eating their popcorn, as they're watching Hera and Kanan, climb on top of big old pods of gasoline and they're both like oh no and then Hera's like I love you and Kanan's like I love you too and they're both like oh no and they look at Dave Filoni and Dave Filoni is just smiling at them like the little troll he is and he's like I have a hat I'm Dave Filoni and they're both like oh no and then Kanan explodes and Callus and Rex look at each other, knowing that there's nothing they can do because they're trapped in Anaheim, of all places, and it's not the happiest place on Earth. And beside them, George Lucas is just like, I'm George Lucas. And Floody's like, I am a hat. And so now they're sad, and they watch Hera cry about it, and they're all sad themselves. 
and they watch the kids cry, and they watch, <laughs> and then they watch Zeb almost beat the life out of Rook, and the whole time, Callus is watching Zeb beat the life out of Rook. He's just like, yeah, I'm so hard right now, so hard. Just gonna put the popcorn bucket right here in my lap, so nobody can see how hard I am right now. Oh my god. And so, they watch as the ghost crew start getting together a bunch of wolves, and they go to the Lothal Temple, and everything's crazy, and out of nowhere, they watch as Ezra goes running, running through the Jedi Temple, and he jumps into the world between worlds, and he jumps right out of the movie screen. And he stops, and he sees Rex and Cal sitting in a movie theater with George Lucas and Dave Filoni. And I was just like, where the hell am I? And they're like, welcome to Anaheim! It's the happiest place on Earth! And I was just like, oh, I think I took a wrong turn somewhere. Why are you two with the ghost? And they were both like, we don't know! <laughs> so Ezra's like, well, okay, um, I guess I should go back now. And George and Dave are like, you should take these two with you, because this is George Lucas. I hope you're fun. So Ezra's like, um, okay, come on, gay uncles. Except for Rex is not a gay uncle. One of the two gay uncles. Charles and Rex get up, and they put their, their popcorn down. They say goodbye to George and Dave, and they go through the movie screen with, with Ezra into the world between worlds. And the three of them are just like... Whoa! What is this place? I'm hearing voices. So many people talking to me. And Rex is like, I swear I hear Anakin. I miss him. I love you, Anakin. It should have been me. And as they're walking by, Ezra stops and goes, Why is there a bird? There's a bird on top of that. Why is there a bird here? And Callus is like, Maybe we can eat the bird. Maybe I can make love to it. Apparently, I love animals now. And Rex. Rex is like, you need to slow down. So they all walk up, and then the portal is all like, and there's Ahsoka fighting Vader, and all three of them are like, oh no! They reach through, and they grab Ahsoka, and they pull her out. And Ahsoka's like, what's going on? Where am I? And then she's like, Rex, why are you here? And he's like, I don't know. I was in this magical world called Anaheim. And Ahsoka's like, um... I think we need to fix time and space because something is wrong here. And so Ezra and Ahsoka and Callus and Rex walk along the world between worlds a little bit. And finally, they see a portal. And it looks kind of like the ghost. And it's in the shape of the ghost. And they're like, oh, it's cute. And Ezra's like, this is your stop. And he shoves both of them through the portal. And they're magically back on the ghost. Yay! I did that. I planned that. It was fun. Uh, so they're back on the ghost, because that was the only way I could figure out how to put Callus and Zeb, or Callus and Rex, into this Rex evolution, because they're only in three episodes of this season. <laughs> I did it. So they're back on the ghost, and then we get a phone call, and Hera's like, Hey, can you come pick me up? You know, because apparently Ezra just appeared out of this wall and said that you two are back on the ghost. Why weren't you on the ghost? You know, it doesn't matter anymore. And the whole time, Callus and Rex are just both like, We're sorry about Kanan. We're so sorry. And she's like, How do you know about Kanan? And Callus and Rex are like, We watched it on a movie screen. And Hera's like, What the fuck is a movie screen? <laughs> They're like, It doesn't matter. We're coming to the fall. So somehow they get back to the fall and somehow they get Hera. It's not very clear. 
and they go and they meet up with, of all people, Gregor Wolf, uh, Hondo is there and so is Melch, and they're all like, yeah, we're well-developed characters, we're awesome, and Ketsu's like, I'm here, and everyone ignores Ketsu for the rest of the time, and they decide it's time to take back Lothal, so they fly all back to Lothal, and they sneak in on another ship, thanks to Hondo, and then they fight, and Kallus and Zeb are reunited as they're fighting with Loth Wolves, and Arinda's freaking out, because she's all like, oh, 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 I do not like wolves, and Rook is like, I don't like wolves at all, one is trying to eat me, oh my god, and Kallus sees Zeb, and he runs off the ghost, and he lands, and they're fighting Imperials together, because boyfriends that slay bad guys together stay together, and it's great. And Rex is also fighting with his brothers. And it's just like the good old days of the Clone Wars. And everything's crazy. And they beat them. And it's time to take back Lothal. So they all gather on the Ghost. And a bunch of other ships. And they fly back to the capital. And the whole time Arinda Price is like, This isn't going to work! Thrawn's on his way! Sure enough, as they're taking over the Imperial Dome. And getting ready to kill, like, thousands of Nazis. It was, it's fine. Um, Thrawn shows up. And Thrawn's like, Hey guys. I've been away in another book. It's fine. You don't need to read it. It's terrible. Anyway, um, do you mind not doing what you're doing or else I'll shoot you? And Ezra's all like, fuck off, Thrawn! And Thrawn's like, okay. And so he starts shooting at the, the city. And Ezra's like, please stop, Thrawn! And Thrawn stops. And he's like, all right, well, come here, Ezra. And Ezra's like, okay! <laughs> and he gets on the ship and he leaves. And the whole time, Kallus and Rex are like, huh... Well, that's not a bright move. No, that's a very Jedi move. Yeah, it's very Jedi. You should have seen them in the Clone Wars. They used to do stupid shit like that all the time. I don't know how Anakin survived. He's like, oh, man, that's crazy. Anyway, we gotta. I have to go be hot with my boyfriend now. So Callus uh, grabs Zeb and Gregor, and they go, and they run to take out the, put the shield generator back on. And it's all death-defying, and pew, 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 pew is happening. And they get the shield back up, but... Zeb almost dies, and that's when Kallus realizes he has to do what he has to do. So, after Zeb doesn't almost die, he looks at Zeb and he's like, will you be space boyfriends with me forever? And Zeb is like, no. We're gonna be space husbands forever. And Kallus is like, hell yes. But do you know who's not like hell yes? Rex. Because Gregor gets shot! And he's all like, my brother, no! And Gregor's like, I'm not crazy anymore because I'm dead. Blech. And he dies. And Rex is like, it's just like Jesse, but worse. Ah! Actually, it's not worse. I am not over Jesse dying in Clone Wars. Oh my god. We're about to do Clone Wars and I have to watch Jesse die again. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. I'm actually tearing up thinking about Jesse right now. Hold on. I need a minute. I'm not ready to do Clone Wars, and I can't watch Jesse die again. Oh my god. Anyway, so Gregor dies, and it's sad. And they all have to get the fuck off the Imperial Dome. So they're all running back to the to the uh, command room, and they're all like, get the fuck off the dome, get the fuck off the dome, get the fuck off the dome, and run, run, run. They get up to the command center, and they get there, and they might not have time to survive, because Thrawn's ship and his fleet is still there until... Fucking space whales come out of nowhere, and and Kals is like, wow, those space whales are really hot, and Ken is like, okay, 
we need to like pull back the furry on you a little bit. And Chaos is like, no, once you go fur, you never. This is something that rhymes with fur. Chaos <laughs> is. And so, all space whales are fucking up the fleet and everything. And then, out of nowhere, it takes Thrawn and Ezra away, and everyone's sad. And then they're like, we still have to get the fuck off the dome before it explodes. But Mart shows out of nowhere, and he's like, I'm Mart. And I'm more of a character than Ketsu. And Ketsu's like, I'm here too. And then they leave Ketsu behind because she didn't do anything in Rebels. Um, and they all get back on the ship. And they get on the ghost, and they fly away. And they've saved Lothal forever. And then, five years in the future... Well, is it five? Like, like, like three, three-ish, two, two to three years in the future. Rex is on Endor, and he's fighting in Return of the Jedi, and he's all like, "I'm Rex, and that's Han Solo. We're fighting some evil bad guys, and that's Luke." And Luke's like, "My last name is Skywalker, and I'm a Labradoodle." And Luke's, he's like, "Skywalker, I knew your dad." And Luke's like, "Really?" And Rex is like, yeah, I knew your mom too. And he's like, really? And at the, after the Battle of Endor, they defeat their empire. Rex sits down with Luke and Leia, and he tells them about their parents. Years later, though, after being space married, and it's great, Callus takes, or Zeb takes Callus to Lyrason, and he sees that they didn't get rid of the Lasads and they're all happy and healthy and Callus and Zeb meet other Lasads and they land and they go and they have a beautiful wedding and they get married and they adopt little furry Lasat children who are orphans and they get together and they raise Lasat orphans until the Rebel sequel where they come back in the action and they're awesome space dads again. The end. <sighs> <sighs> Wow. I, <laughs> I stole your idea about them going to the world Anaheim. I mean, George okay. Lucas. That's okay. I'm, I won't sue. But I was like, how do I, I get consulted with my lawyers during the Callus Pollution and they, they advised not to sue to let okay, it go. I thought it was very clever, Ezra bringing them back through the world between worlds. I thought that was clever. It's the ultimate, ultimate get out of jail free. It really is. I thought it was good. All right, so for the last, did you like my George Lucas impression? That was pretty good. I still haven't watched, There, I, I've been meaning to watch, someone said there's now a podcast, and it's like, a, I think a Twitch show, and they're like three or four hours long, but the two main characters are someone playing, George, it's called the George Lucas podcast, mm-hmm. and there's a guy pretending to be George Lucas, and his co-host is Watto. And it's oh a guy with a Watto with, with like Watto makeup on his face. Oh my god! And they and I guess they talk about sports a lot. I don't know. I have to just <laughs> ch- I have to check it out. It's it's. So Chris, how would you rate the season as a whole? I I I would have to do reviewing to rate it in in relation to the other seasons, but I I rate it very high. I gave it a nine out of ten because, yeah, I, I there wasn't a clunker. It finished everything off in a satisfying and a manner that made sense in a very satisfying way. And I, I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, uh, 9 out of 10. It was a good season. Very good season. Um, like I said earlier, this is actually my least favorite season, but that's not a bad thing. Like, it's a really good season. 
Um, it's hard to end stuff well, you know, and they did a good job of it. Yeah, like it's it's a really well written season. It wraps up everything that's satisfying and it's good. It's just it's a very heavy season, and I think that's what it's it's not my personal favorite. It's probably one of the more well written season. It's it's just not my personal favorite season. But it's solid, man. I, I give it an eight out of ten. So hmm. oh, this might be our longest wrap up for our shortest season. <laughs> Really? I don't know. I, I think we, we pulled it in. I mean... We did shoot this shit for like half an hour before we started. Right. That's true. So, all right, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website. You can uh, find all our podcasts there and our RSS feeds if you want to subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes. We are also on Facebook. We got the Two True Freaks podcast page where we post all our shows and you can see them there and the two true freaks cantina which you can hang out with the freaks and if you're feeling really daring and masochistic you can go on twitter and find us on twitter under two true freaks and i do not do that there that is the job of gene gene the twitter machine the tweeting machine Oh, oh, you kept talking. I had a perfectly planned burp, and then you kept talking. Burp, 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 burp. And that's where they can generally find me. Where can they find you, Hope? Uh, you can find me at Jedi. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. I also have my website, geekygirlexperience.com, where I write all sorts of reviews. I'm currently actually writing a lot of resistance pieces because I'm helping my buddy Brad Whipple from Friends of the Force um, do uh, res- resistance rem- remembering Resistance Day, and it, we're remembering Star Wars Resistance, and that's on August 29th. So I'm actually writing a lot of Star Wars Resistance pieces at the moment. I'm doing a collaboration with my friend June again, and we're I'm writing a uh, post trust Kaz fan fiction, so that's going to be up on Archive of Our Own soon under the name Chaos Lydia. Very excited. The artwork for it is amazing. Oh my god, it should be done by the time this episode comes out. Go to AO3 and look up Chaos Lydia, and you should find it over there. Um, I also have another podcast with Chris called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. We are currently going through Gravity Falls. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but you should check it out. Also, if you like our show and you like Jagos and Jedi and you like Hope Makes Chris Cartoons, tell somebody about it. Also, write us a review. It helps people find the show. Um, yeah. Oh, we're wrapping up Rebels for Good next week with our roundtable. We have a really, really fun cast with us next week. Should I, should I announce it now or just uh, let them find out? Yeah, let's, let's let them find out because who knows what yeah. could happen between now and next week. My, my favorite is one of my, my, my friend is going to be on there and she loves Thrawn more than I do. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, let's see. <laughs> Hold on. Last known trajectory. I, I spelled it wrong. Aha. Uh-huh. She has written a Thrawn fanfiction that is over 132,000 words long, 23 aye, chapters, aye, aye. and it has over 10,000 hits. And she does her own artwork for it as well. She is making her own comic based on her own 23 chapter Thrawn fan, fan, Thrawn fan fiction. 
Hey, so look up Last Known Trajectory by Ali's Rack on AO3 and read it. It's so good. <laughs> so good. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. We'll see you then. We'll Bye, Rebels. Bye, Rebels. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Wait a minute. Uh, um, I got it in the tip of my tongue. Come on. Uh, oh, golly, I'm nervous. Let me see. Oh, Alexander Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Henry Dumbass.